Hi there, and welcome back to Out There, a cryptid podcast. I'm your host, Josh. Each week I come out with a new episode focused on a cryptid that I find super fascinating and, you guessed it, weird. If you don't know what a cryptid is, it is defined as an animal that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. Make sure you go and follow the podcast on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, and check out the posts I make for each episode, and maybe send some suggestions you'd like to hear. Before I talk about this week's cryptid, I wanted to fill you in on what is going to be happening with the podcast in the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to be taking a break for the holiday season because I'm lucky enough to spend it with my family and other people I hold very near and dear to my heart. And because I have something excited planned for the upcoming episodes of the show. That being said, episodes will start again on January 5th, 2021, if we make it there. (laughs) This week, we are talking about a cryptid that has been reported to call a lake in North America its home. Reports of this creature date back all the way to the 1600s when the Native American tribes reported beasts swimming in the depths of the lake. There have been dozens of sightings over the past 400 years, and some include photo evidence. The beast has been called the American Loch Ness Monster, but we'll call it the name it is most commonly referred to as, the Lake Champlain Beast, or Champ for short. Today's Weird Club returnee is my sister Jenna. I wanted to bring her back on a case where there was a substantial amount of evidence, and let me tell you, Champ is the cryptid for that. But since our discussion was so wonderful, I've decided to make it a two-part episode. So this episode, I will give you all the facts about Champ, and then come back next week to hear what Jenna thinks. Let's dive in. Lake Champlain is located on the borders of Vermont and New York, but it does run into Canada as well. The lake is 125 miles long and covers 600 square miles. It's a freshwater lake that is mainly used for small fishing boats, ferries, and vacationers. Depths of the lake reach up to 400 feet, which is deep enough to hide a massive creature that has been spotted for years. The lake is a freshwater lake, but it was once a part of the Atlantic Ocean. Less than 11,000 years ago, Lake Champlain used to be connected directly to the sea. It was part of what was called the Champlain Sea. But when the land started to shift, the sea had been closed off. So the saltwater animals that were once able to come and go as they pleased had been trapped. They were now forced to either evolve or die. This discovery wasn't made until the 1850s. In 1849, two Irishmen were working on the first railroad between Ruthland and Burlington, Vermont. They were digging when they unearthed bones, large ones. They assumed it was a large horse, but it wasn't until later when experts would correctly identify them. A naturalist and state geologist from Vermont named Zadok Thompson determined that it was a 12,000-year-old fossil that had looked very similar to a beluga whale. It became known as the Charlotte Whale. This confirmed that salt water had once existed where Lake Champlain is now. There were many Native American tribes that lived and hunted near the lake. The tribes include the Iroquois and Oneata on the New York side, and the Abenaki and Algonquin on the Vermont side. All of these tribes have stories of a monster that lived beneath the water. Their legends spoke about a large creature which looked like a large horned serpent or giant snake. The Abenaki named the beast the Getzogog. 
There are reports that in the early 18th century, the Abernakis warned French explorers about disturbing the waters of the lake, so as not to disturb the serpent. Samuel de Champlain is reportedly the first European to sight Champ. Champlain said he saw something near the St. Lawrence River. He described what he saw. There is also a great abundance of many species of fish. Amongst others, there is one called by the natives Charosuru, which is of various lengths, but the largest of them, as the tribes have told me, are from 8 to 10 feet long. I have seen some 5 feet long, which were as big as my thigh, and had a head as large as my two fists, with a snout 2 feet and a half long, and a double row of very sharp, dangerous teeth. Its body has a good deal the shape of the pike, but it is protected by scales of a silvery gray color and so strong that a dagger could not pierce them. Now, as you probably assume, the lake is named after Champlain. The thing to note about this sighting is that a lot of cryptozoologists think that he actually saw a sturgeon, which you may remember from our Iliamna Lake Monster episode, but this doesn't mean that cryptozoologists ruled it out. And either way, this was far from the last sighting of what later became the infamous Champ. The next well-known sighting was written about in the Plattsburgh Republican newspaper on Saturday, July 24th, 1819. Captain Crum was on a ship near Beluga Bay the Thursday morning before he spotted a black monster about 187 feet long and with a head resembling a seahorse that reared more than 15 feet out of the water. Crum said that whatever he saw had three teeth, eyes the color of a peeled sick onion, a white star on its forehead, and a belt of red around the neck. But some have written it off due to the amount of detail for Crum being at least 200 yards away from the creature. But others say that if it is as big as it had been reported to be, you'll be able to see almost every detail from afar. Then, in 1873, Champ really hit the media by storm. The New York Times reported a railroad crew had seen an enormous serpent head with shining scales. Then, in July, Clinton County Sheriff Nathan H. Mooney said he saw an enormous snake or water serpent, 25 to 30 feet long. Then in August, a famous steamship named the W.B. Eddy apparently ran into Champ, and according to tourists on the ship, they said it almost made them capsize. This obviously caught the attention of many people, and one of them was P.T. Barnum. You know, the famous circus dude? Anyway, he posted a $50,000 reward for the monster's hide, but obviously, nobody could provide it. So, we are going to fast forward because this cryptid was on the first ever episode of the hit television show, Monster Quest. The show brought a team of experts to try and catch proof of Champ. They set out cameras all over and did underwater dives, but didn't catch anything. Locals said that if you want to see Champ, you would have to either be really lucky or live along the lake constantly watching. But in this episode, they talked to many witnesses who have spotted Champ, and some of them have evidence that this cryptid might be real. July 5th, 1977, near St. Albans, Vermont. Sandra Mancy, her husband, and two kids went for an afternoon drive when they decided to go on a walk along the lakefront. 
After a short walk, her kids took their shoes off and went to play in the lake. As her and her husband were watching their children in the water, she noticed something. There was a disturbance in the water, about 150 feet out, and then the head and neck peeked out of the water. She thought it was a large sturgeon at first, but, but just then the neck grew longer, about five more feet out of the water. She knew it couldn't be a sturgeon. Her husband then saw it and started screaming for the kids to get out of the water. She said that her legs gave out and she went down on her knees. That is when she snapped the picture. Using her Instamatic camera, Mansi took a photo, the most famous picture of Champ to this day. Mansi said that the head of the creature rose six feet out of the water and at least 12 feet of its body was exposed. The entire sighting was about five to six minutes. Mansi said that it lingered until the sound of a boat rang out in the near distance. Mansi saw its head turn, reacting to the motor. Then it slipped back under the water. She said, I know we saw something in the lake, and had I not had this photograph, never, never would I have told. Now, for years, Mansi didn't speak up about what she saw, nor did she show the photo out of fear of being ridiculed. But when she met with a champ researcher, she showed the photo that she had captured, and it was the piece of evidence that everyone needed. Her story and pictures were featured in the New York Times in June of 1981. Her account of the creature is considered the best documented sighting of a sea monster in history. The picture is in the Instagram post. The picture shows what looks like something in the water. Some would say that it is the neck of the creature and some of its back, while others say it's a log or a tree stump. And we will discuss that theory during Weird Club. One of the challenges in this photo is that there is nothing to compare size to. Some have said it is smaller than Mansi's estimate, and others have said it is much larger, but really, there is no way of knowing for sure. Either way, both B. Roy Frieden of the Optical Science Center at the University of Arizona and Paul H. LeBlond of the Department of Oceanography at the University of British Columbia agree that the photo has not been altered or unreasonably enhanced, authenticating that whatever is in that photo is what was in the water that day. Due to the extensive media coverage of Mansi's sighting, Champ became a celebrity. T-shirts and mugs were made, and the towns bordering the lake started to become popular stops on road trips. In 1982, both the Vermont House of Representatives and the New York State Senate passed laws to protect Champ. They also added Champ to the endangered species list as a precaution. If there really was a lake monster, they wanted to protect it. But what if they had heard that this cryptid may have been able to walk on land? Would they have changed their minds? 1987, the Herbert family marina, north of Burlington, Vermont. Christine Herbert said that her two dogs started barking excitedly in the middle of the night. She said she went over to her window to see what they were barking at. She said, it come out of the woods and it come right here under the light and it stopped before disappearing into the darkness. She said that the creature she saw was massive and had a long neck 
and it was a green color. She almost forgot about it, thinking it was a trick of the mind or must have been something else. But then, a week later, she saw another one. Her mother was there with her this time, and she said she was so glad she was because that meant someone else was seeing what she saw too. Herbert said, the second time I couldn't even talk. She watched it for a long time, and it made the same pattern, but this one didn't stop under the light like the last one. The strange thing is that this one was brown, not green, and it wasn't as big as the last one. Herbert said there was no mistake on that second sighting. I've been here all my life. I know exactly what a fish looks like, but this was not a fish. That was like a dinosaur head. This was the first time anyone had reported seeing the creature on land, but it definitely was not the last sighting of Champ or Champs. For the most part, people believed that there was one beast in the lake that everyone was seeing, but now they have an eyewitness to say there are at least two. Ellen Marston, a biologist at the University of Vermont, said that you need a minimum of 50 animals in a species to minimize the risk of inbreeding and maintain a population of a few generations. So maybe it is possible people were seeing different ones. Now, we're going to jump forward again because in the past 20 years, there have been some major discoveries and sightings that I, I really want to talk about. But sightings did not slow down. And... They were always different ones, ranging from people searching for the beast to just vacationers who happened to catch a glimpse. But someone who spotted the creature had crossed the lake over a thousand times before meeting Champ. Ferryboat captain B.J. Bombard has crossed the lake thousands of times over his career. But in 1997, he spotted something in the water. He said, I was on my normal ferry crossing on my route. I looked ahead and you could see something coming towards us or something was there. And as we got closer, you could tell it was on a reciprocal course. As the thing got closer, Bombard aligned the ferry to get a better look. And as he got closer, he said, it kind of looked like you would guess what a submarine would look like if it were real close to the surface and it were just pouring water off the top of it. Bombard said he got his binoculars so he could get a better look at what was in the water. And he said that as they got closer, he could tell it wasn't a log, nor was it two separate things, just one particular thing. He estimated that it was about six to eight feet in length. Bombard said he only saw the back of this creature before it disappeared out of sight. He said the strangest thing for him is he didn't see any dorsal fin around. And that's weird. I personally love the, and that's weird, part of the sighting because I feel like every witness should say something along those lines. But anyways, this was a very credible witness who doesn't say he saw a monster specifically, but he said he saw something strange in the water. Plus, this just shows you how elusive this cryptid is because he crosses the lake daily and has only seen it once. But maybe this beast is much smarter than we think. Elizabeth Van Muggenthaler grew up along Lake Champlain. Now, she is the acoustician who specializes in recording animal sounds. Her studies mainly focused on aquatic animals that use echolocation. And 
she has evidence that she thinks not only proves there is a lake monster, but it also proves that it is highly intelligent. June of 2002. Van Muggenthaler's team recorded audio within the depths of the water of the lake. She said, we have over 10 minutes of this creature in three different places, and the sounds they caught were of something using echolocation. Gonna pause here. Echolocation, for anyone who isn't familiar, is the location of objects by reflected sounds. Basically, some animals use it to determine the locations of things. Um, they send out sound waves and listen for the echo, and then they use the delay to determine the distance. She has studied whales and dolphins. She said whatever she recorded in the lake was not a known animal. Now, they didn't just hear this in one location of the lake. They heard it in three different parts, all at around depths of 30 to 40 feet. She believes the most logical explanation is a uniquely evolved creature. When trying to compare the sounds to a known species, she couldn't. But she said it is the most similar to a killer whale using echolocation. She said, it tells me that this animal is echolocating and it has an advanced, advanced brain. I've included a clip from the Monster Quest episode where Van Muggenthaler compares the sounds she captured from the lake to those of a killer whales. So you can hear the resemblance. Now, you can tell that they are not identical. So I did some separate research on orcas, which is another name for killer whales. Basically, they use clicks to mainly identify prey or objects in their environment and for navigation. Now, this is a direct quote. However, clicks are also often heard in the course of social interactions, so they may also be a part of communication. They also whistle and make a pulsing sound, and those are thought to be the main sounds they use for communication and social interaction. And one of the coolest facts, at least I think, is Different populations of orcas in different areas have their own dialects. So basically what this discovery would suggest is that there is either a whale or maybe even a dolphin, unless Champ is the one using echolocation. Now, there was a group of researchers that used some very fancy technology to graph the bottom of the lake, and this is how they found sunken ships and other artifacts. So, in theory, this machine would catch Champ or anything around the size, but they didn't. They did, however, get a really good look at the deepest part of the lake. There is a super deep channel within the lake that could be where the creatures are hiding. It also runs directly through one of the locations where Van Muggenthaler caught one of the echolocations. There are two more sightings that I want to talk about, and both of them are even more recent. One is from 2006, and the other is from last year, 2019. So, on February 22nd in 2006, ABC News claimed to have obtained an exclusive video of something just under the surface of the lake. And apparently two fishermen caught this with their digital camera. They took a video of whatever it was under the water. One of the fishermen named Peter Bodet said, it was as big around as my thigh. Bodet went on to say, I am 100% sure of what we saw. I'm not 100% sure of what it was. 
The other fisherman, named Dick Alfletcher, said it made my hair stand on end at the time. It just didn't fit anything, any creature I had seen. Now, they both never saw the full body. Alfreter said what we saw always stayed at the surface, and parts of it would come above the water, like the back of the nose or head. Now, I'm not going to include the whole ABC video in the Instagram, but I will put in a short clip of the original video. Basically, it shows an odd wake, and then, all of a sudden, right next to the boat, there is a very large shape under the water. But then smaller, skinnier, moving thing. I mean, I am honestly shocked with the video. ABC had two retired FBI analysts review the tape, and they said that it appeared authentic. Gerald Richards, who was a former forensic image analyst, said, I can't find anything in there that would suggest or indicate to me that this has been fabricated or manipulated in any way. So that is good to know. He then added his two cents, which was that he could not see an animal or any other object on the surface. Which is true. You can't. But there is something under the surface, and close enough that you can definitely see something. The fishermen both said that they were champ skeptics before their sighting. But now, they are champ believers. And now for the most recent sighting. August 5th. 2019. The director of the Champ Search Research Group, named Katie Elizabeth, and two other members of her team, Frank and Teresa Horton, were out on a 17-foot bayliner boat. Originally, they were out on the lake doing echo scans, but hadn't caught anything. They noticed they were low on gas, so they decided to head back to a port on the New York side. They were probably going around 45 miles per hour, and had a scanner going the entire time. It wasn't until the next day when Elizabeth saw the sonar footage. That's when she was shocked at one of the stills. She said she started both shaking and crying while looking at it. According to her, there are two of them. Elizabeth estimated one was about 25 feet long and the other nearly 30 feet long. She added that there were protuberances on their heads. The sonar scan shows these two things at around 165 feet down. Elizabeth claims this is evidence confirming the existence of Champ. The sonar still is in the Instagram post, and it clearly does show two objects in the water. And they do look large, but I haven't used sonar before, so I'm not quite sure about their size. So I have to assume Elizabeth is right in her estimation. Next week's segment of Weird Club is with Jenna, so make sure to come back to see what she thinks about this cryptid, and buckle up because it's a pretty long episode. But for now, so what do you think? Is the Lake Champlain monster really out there? We are on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, so make sure to follow us and tell us all of your thoughts on the cryptids we cover and what you'd like to hear next. It would mean a lot to us if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It's a great way for people to find the podcast and enjoy, just like you. One week from today will be the Weird Club episode with my sister Jenna, and we'll discuss all the theories of the Lake Champlain monster. See you next week.
This episode was written and hosted by me, Josh, with logo designed by Jason Sykes and theme music from purpleplanet.com.